So I'm an outsider living here in Vermont. I grew up in central Connecticut. I went to college in Boston and I spent most of my adult life living in large East Coast cities. And it really wasn't until I was 38 years old that I ended up moving here to Vermont full time. And while most of my neighbors here in Vermont have been exceptionally welcoming, there have been a few, uh... Are you a native Vermonter? Where, where'd you come from? What the hell don't you go back? Mind your own business. Okay, baby. Tries to put himself across as a Vermont farmer. Even though he has a guard dog that is actually a trained killer. You know something? Boy. When a bear comes and visits you, Boy. you're gonna really think it sucks. Go back to Hatford, where you belong. On today's podcast, we're diving deep into a subject that may strike a chord with many of you living in Vermont or in any small rural community for that matter, as well as for folks who might be just visiting. We're talking about the concept of outsiders, local culture, and what happens when those two things collide. I'm telling you to shut up. And we're gonna attempt to get to the bottom of the question, why does it seem like Vermont hates outsiders? Sit down, Flatlander. You're not from around here, are you? Time for you to go back to where you came from. To the sheriff and uh, his sort of people, you're an outsider. Now, since I'm not a native Vermonter, I decided to reach out to a friend of mine who is to get their perspective. Hey, it's about time real Vermonter put Morgan Gold at frickin' Goldshaw Farm down a peg, okay? So up by good and you, I'm Donnie Wanzer, and I'm frickin' 200 generation Vermonter, but... My friend Johnny Wanzer is a comedian and satirist from Burlington, Vermont. It's like their blood on your hands feeds my lust for your blood. I decided to go meet up with Johnny to get his take on interactions with folks from out of state. I guess maybe my first interaction would be the college kids, because even when I was in high school, the college kids were around and that was still like a, a thing that we acknowledged. Um, and I hated them even in high school. There's a huge thing in town where people hate the college kids because they like to blame a lot of the problems on them. And when I was younger and couldn't really think of the nuances that would add to all the problems, I was like, yeah, I hate these kids. And all they do is listen to jam bands and there was an air of entitlement. And for folks who are outside of Vermont, yeah. describe Burlington as a city relative to other U.S. cities out there in terms of size, scope, vibe, all that. So Vermont is very small and rural, but um, we are the closest thing to a city. So imagine when like rural areas start to get a little bit more suburby. We're kind of that, but on the brink of a city where there is a downtown area, like the radius is probably like seven-ish blocks of tall buildings, but then it's very concentrated um, old New England style houses. It's a college town. So think like a secondary city college town like Ithaca or, or something like that. It's a very left-leaning city. Uh, our city council is primarily the progressive party. I mean, we're the town that had Bernie Sanders as a mayor, um, and he's our state senator. So if you're familiar with Bernie, this is kind of Bernie Central. Have you spent your entire life in Burlington, or, or where did you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in Chittenden County, which that's where Burlington's located. And then I also grew up in Franklin County, which is the county north of Burlington, uh, on the right where the Canadian border is. St. Albans? Right? Uh, yep. So I grew up in like 
Colchester, Milton, St. Albans, Burlington, South Burlington, Winooski. Um, been around. Why do Vermonters hate outsiders as a lifelong Vermonter? Vermonters, as liberal as we are here, we're also very conservative in the sense of keeping Vermont the way that it is in terms of its its beauty that people come here for its tourism um it's it's kind local vibe where you know everybody kind of knows everybody like you know the corner store guy you have a conversation with them all the time um vermonters are really into keeping that sanctity and keeping the things that they grew up with the same and as Time has progressed here, especially the last 30 years that I have seen. Um, as you have this influx of college kids and things of that nature, that brings in jobs and it brings in like the tech industry and it brings in uh, other industries of that nature. And then you have the tourism and especially with Bernie blowing up, you have a lot of, and COVID too, this became a destination spot it starts changing everything. You start seeing new architecture come in that is replacing 200-year-old buildings. You start seeing ways of thinking that are different than than you. And, you know, I love, I love a lot of that, most of it, but in terms of like your average Vermonter, a lot of people hate that because they start introducing concepts or businesses or ways of life, changes to industry that they don't agree with or that is taking a job away from a family member or themselves um and then their path to getting into those industries might not be the same as it was before because of high educational costs or barrier to entry or just even competition um we have a housing crisis here right now so that crisis just shows how many people want to live here and how hard it is to even just find a place but that transcends into jobs and so i think i think also like the the, because of that housing crisis it, it has raised the cost of living and the cost of houses here tremendously like even in the past like 10 years i've seen property values triple in value and then it creates high taxes and people can't afford it. And then they sell to people that can afford it. And then those people attract businesses that are a little bit more expensive. And then what that does is it kind of slowly gentrifies out the locals. And all of the symptoms from that are what people experience. And they're not necessarily thinking that deep into it. They're just experiencing the symptoms and they want to point the finger and blame the first thing that they see from that symptom, which is out-of-staters, college kids. Um, Yeah, that sort of thing. Well, it's interesting you use the word gentrification because, you know, when I was living in Brooklyn or Mm -hmm. when I was living in Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., you know, very much conscious of the fact that I was moving into these places that were, you know, they would call them neighborhoods on the rise, right? Where they had experienced a lot of a long period of a lot of violence, uh, crime, uh, economic hardship, but things were bouncing back over the course of like, you know, the early 2000s and into the 20 teens, particularly like in the Capitol Hill area where it was like these, you know, nice urban renaissances and like, look, all the professionals are wanting to move here. But then the consequences housing costs skyrocket job opportunities start to shift all of that 
Yeah, you normally think of it as kind of like a, a city urban thing, but it is now spreading to secondary cities because of COVID and because pe- like those cities are becoming so packed and so expensive that people are now leaving those areas to go find a better, you know, better quality of life. And so now they're coming here and it's it's happening again, but it's happening to the locals. It, it, it's, yeah, it's happening to the locals here. Yeah, and, and I actually don't think it's just even the secondary cities where yeah. I think part of the impact of COVID was remote work became a possibility. Yep. And like, I remember when I bought my farm in 2016 and I had a job in DC, there was like no selling the idea of, oh, well, I could work remotely and maybe come down to DC once a month and that would be how I do it. And and so that was never an option. And so I moved here. And what I've seen though, since 2018, when I moved here is just the vast number of people who can find economic opportunities in a very remote place like Peachum, Vermont. Yeah. That's skyrocketed in yeah. the last couple of years. Remote working is now commonplace. I mean, I was working a tech job when COVID hit and then I worked in my apartment here for uh, about a year. But, I, you know, I have checked in with those people and there's like most of them still don't go to the office. They're just remote. They And I have just seen that with a lot of my friends who have just moved to d- different tech jobs. It's just a normal standard now. And I think I think the tech businesses saw that like the overhead was cheaper and they were still getting like the same pr- productivity and the same money. So I think they're just like, yeah, why, why should we pay for that? So, yeah. I'm hearing a rumbling. Is that the F-35? the F-35s? Oh, boy. I came to yeah. Burlington and I got to hear the F-35s. Oh, you not get to hear those? I never get to hear the, the F-35s. So, oh, so yeah. there is a military base. I don't know. What's it? 20 minutes from here? Yeah, not even. And, and so it's like a daily event of the F-35s flying over this area that people always complain about. But yep. yeah, we never hear it on in the Northeast Kingdom. It's not as bad over on this side of the neighborhood. Sometimes it is, but you got to really go over to like Winooski, which is like the neighboring town of the base. Um, and it's it's crazy over there. See, now I want to get like a t-shirt. Like I went to Burlington and I heard the F-35s like on a t-shirt. Yeah. That could be a, a souvenir to bring back home. That's a whole other thing too. <laughs> so I do agree with you though, that like that remote work, it sort of almost becomes like a cheat code. Yeah. Where the economics of what you could get paid working a job, say in New York City or in Washington, D.C., those dollars, even though the cost of living is relatively high here for, for what it is, it's relatively cheap to those you know large East Coast cities. And yeah. so it does change the dynamics when you have folks who are earning that coming in and what that does to housing prices and everything else. It does. You see shops that used to sell like, I don't know, bread or whatever turn into cupcake shops you know (laughs) and like not to hate on those businesses and people you know it's still locals make that bag whatever but like yeah it it, you just see that happen and a lot of people coming back to your original question a lot of people see that and they're like that goddamn person that owns the cupcake shop or the pizza shop that sells pies for forty dollars you know they like to blame those people but those people are just adapting to the symptoms and the causes of gentrification and i think that hate for outsiders is a huge um misunderstanding of what is actually happening happening around people and even with my own content in the past couple years i have really just been picking topics 
around that because it has been the huge thing here. But, you know, I get a lot of people that, you know, know me as like the Burlington guy uh, or the Vermont guy or whatever. And they're like, you must hate outsiders. And I'm like, no, I love outsiders. I hate millionaires with bad intentions that move in here. It's like, you know, I think I even had this conversation with you. You're like, oh, like, what do you think of me? And I'm like, listen, dude, you moved here to Vermont and I and like you have a farm and you have a channel that like shows and dives into that. And like I in Burlington, I get to experience that. And it's fun to like, like live vicariously through you to experience it. Like, I think that sort of thing, that's like kind of the American dream is like, move a place, find a good life and figure it out. And you're not like hurting your neighborhood or anything surrounding you. It's the people that like, one thing that happens here a lot, it's like a college kid will move here. College kid is fine, but college kid's dad is like, okay, I'll buy a house there for my kid to live in. They buy one of the houses in Burlington. Okay. Their kid lives there for four years. And then what do they do with it after? They either sell it for twice the amount or they become a landlord, and that's one less house that people can buy here. That happens a lot. Um, and then you have big property companies, right? Where it's some of them aren't even based here, but a lot of them are. But some of them that aren't based here will just, when one of the houses that are open are, are open, they just scoop them up and buy them. So, like, yeah. <laughs> I went on right. Well, no, no, I, I think it's a, it's a great point. Now, if we say that our gentrification and yeah. what that's doing to to like trying to live here and the cost of living here is skyrocketing, that that may that's a very reasonable explanation for why yeah. some Vermonters might not like outsiders. Are there other though cultural elements that come into play too? I mean, I I, I guess maybe like maybe some dude from the rural area comes into the big city of Burlington, right, and then they see like you know, somebody who doesn't dress like them walking around and like in their face, like preaching maybe a more left-leaning sort of ideology that isn't inherently bad, but from their perception and what they grew up with, they're really offended by it. They're really taken back with it. And then it becomes easier and convenient for them to just like lump all of the problematic ideals into that one person rather than understand that everybody is a person and you know the left the left does it too and sometimes i think they're even like worse with it but it depends on who it is but yeah i think i think that's what it is it's like you have that typical rural person who sees somebody sees like the news where it's like oh there's more crime or there's more drugs what i see typically outside right like Mm -hmm. in the northeast kingdom which for folks who aren't familiar with the northeast kingdom it's the more rural part of a relatively rural and unpopulated state yeah um is just there is this idea that you know folks from the city are coming in and trying to change things and i would actually say that to a certain extent it's true where you know if you live somewhere you care about your home yeah. It doesn't matter if you were born there or not, but you care. And then you want to see if you see things that are working or not working, you might want to try to change. And it's this very awkward balance that I think has to be struck in those situations. You know, I was watching one of your videos the other day, and it's the one where your neighbor installed the solar panels. They went and built a gigantic solar field right in the backyard of my farm. And quite honestly, I couldn't be any happier about it. Time has gone forward. I think everybody's aware of 
the changes in the climate. And I'm convinced that we as a, a nation, as a world, have to do something about that. And I bet you somebody that, you know, didn't do the research or just is in town or is just walking by is like, that Goldshaw guy bringing in this, like, this liberal solar panels when really it's like, that's a dude that's lived there all his life that is installing it and trying to make that whole neighborhood live off the grid, which is actually kind of like libertarian and like could be right-leaning you know well it's funny because yeah i mean yeah my neighbor the one who did that he's i want to say it's either fifth or sixth generation yeah. in our town yeah. so like you know that's about as vermont as you can get i mean it doesn't hit the 10 generation line but i feel like it's there but yeah he's been actively trying to change things and people are not happy about it locally yeah. in some instances it, it's all misconception and stereotypes because a lot of people just only know their town right and the outside world they gleam through social media or tv or just media in general so like it becomes convenient and more easier to use your brain to think like okay well that's the real stuff that's the truth when and then just like mob that all onto you when like you are a very nuanced person and like you came here to be a part of that life and like yeah you have your ideals but for the most part from what I've seen and what I know as you from you as just a friend is like you are trying to live a Vermont life. You are not trying to bring your DC life to Vermont. You know, you hated your DC life and I think a lot of, I think a lot of people share your story where they're just like I like what Vermont has to offer and I want to become part of that. Well, so I, I appreciate that, but I actually will say in the couple of years I've been here, I I know I've made missteps in certain instances, right? Sure. Where you know, as a person, just like my personality to like get on my high horse, I can do that sometimes. Of and course. I think that that has rubbed people the wrong way in some ways. But at the same time, I think you're right that the, like the nuance appreciation isn't there where it's like, OK, yes, I'm anti bear hound hunting, but I'm actually pro deer hunting. So how do you reconcile those two things as, oh, no, he's anti hunting? Like it's a, it's a hard thing. Well, some of these people like to be closed minded and you know, I know the whole entire bear hunting saga. I've seen all the videos. Um, and I even know some bear hunters. Uh, like I said, it's a mis it's easy to, you're going to have that drama no matter if you are new to the town or you're not, not like not necessarily the bear stuff, but like people disagreeing in the town over stuff, you're going to have that. But when someone like you comes in, it becomes easy to just label you and be like, well, this guy doesn't know our way of living, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't know about bear hunting when, like, if you ask me, someone that went to conservation camp, grew up in Vermont, knows how to hunt, owns guns, like, I think bear hunting is is stupid and lazy and, like, and just reckless, too. Uh, and that's, and, like, yeah, so I'm liberal or whatever, but, like, I grew up here. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like at the end of the day, I, I'm I'm Vermont, uh, and like, there's a lot of people that like don't like hound hunting in, in Vermont, and and don't like certain things that have have shaped this state. Like, f coming from me, there was a lot of things growing up that I hated, that I wanted to get away from, that I eventually did get away from. But that was, I only had. The same re the same resources and outside perspectives that these other people had. Like I was trapped in St. Albans, and I had like MTV and like the radio and all of that stuff, and then social media to like show me what the outside world was. The same stuff that they have, but I wanted 
different things. And I, you know, I, I caused quite a fuss myself in this town. But at the end of the day, <laughs> people can't be like, well, you're not from here, blah, blah, blah. People, I, I'm just like, I'm from here. Suck it. Well, and, and I, I think the other thing, too, is sometimes change is good. Like, I look back what happened in the 90s here, right? Yeah. With, uh, you know, as Vermont was passing legislation in state around civil unions and becoming yeah. one of the first states to enact that, there was a huge pushback, particularly in the huge. Northeast Kingdom, around, you know, taking back Vermont. Yeah, and like people those... painting that on their barns. Take back Vermont is the slogan of anti-homosexual marriage groups. Like, that was yeah. a huge thing, right? Like, huge can you describe thing. that for folks who didn't live through it? Yeah, so I actually lived in a rural area when this passed. Um, I want to say it was like 2000, 2001, I want to say, when civil unions happened. So basically it was like band-aid marriage for gay people. Um, and yeah, there was a huge pushback, especially in rural communities where LGBT isn't as prevalent. It's more prevalent in like these more urban areas um, where people were just painting it on their barns just like the slogan take back vermont we're like just repeal that law but it was just a lot of people it was the same rhetoric that you hear for tr like trans people these days where they're just like they're going to uh they're just doing this to sleep with kids they're going to influence our kids like they're trying to like mess up our kids they're just lying to you like it's 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 just political rhetoric to like win voters and to attack people's fears in order for these people to stay in power or to get in power or to rise in power. It's like a lot of people aren't open to thinking that way where they think, oh, like a person is good and genuine or, oh, a person is only corrupt. It's like people can be both. They can want, they can want like good things for the community, but then they also have to play the game of politics. So then they have to do that song and dance. And it's just, uh, people don't like to think things are nuanced they like to think it's black and white yeah no yeah. I, I i think it's a, it's a really good point um how much of this whole you know vermonters not liking outsiders things is rooted in the current state of politics today i think it's saw more of a rise especially i mean we'll add the politics of just like inflation covid um maga all of that and then local politics where it's the housing crisis, it's um, the cost of living going up, um, the college kids. I think a lot of that has uh, stirred it up again. And just the state of the houseless population and all of the the um, the ODs that, that are happening and the ones that you see on like in the streets and stuff like that have caused people to start trying to think about this like how do we fix this what is the cause of the problem and again people will point to the first like symptom so like here it's trudged up like um yeah it's these out-of-state millionaires that are raising all the or, or or it's it's everybody moving out of state that are raising all these prices it's the dude that moved bought the house across the street that's raising the price so we've centered a lot of the conversation on folks who have moved here from out of state. Okay. But what about people visiting? What about the folks who are skiing? What about the folks who are coming for a jam bam festival? Like, like you what know, about that hatred? <laughs> people love to hate on those people. And like, I get it because they come here and they either drive slow on our streets when we're trying to get to work or they trash certain areas because like they don't have to deal with it. Right. Or, 
Um, yeah, but um, at the same time, we wouldn't have some of the really nice things without that industry, without those people coming in, without the tourism. And we wouldn't be Vermont without people actually coming here and discovering the beauty of it. Um, we would be New Hampshire. Yeah, people love to hate on the tourists, but like it's kind of a double-edged sword if you think about it. And the way that I see it is like, yeah, bring those people here. But like, like what are the systems to to like withstand that? And like, it's the people in power uh, of the tourist industries and the businesses that um, benefit from it. There is this element to that I've found regardless of where I've ever lived. Like I, I remember this very much, in, especially in New York, but even DC, which is a big tourist city as well, Yeah, where whenever you live somewhere and people are going to where you live for vacation, there's something that automatically just makes you resent them. And I, I know I've felt that feeling even not being native to any of those cities or even here, but seeing it as folks come to town where it's like, you're just treating this like a playland. Like, like, is there a little bit of that in there? Yeah, there's kind of a perception where they're not going to respect the area or yeah. And they just think that like everything is wonderful and magical here. And then there's the real people that live here that have to do their nine to five day to day job or or struggling or are having a really bad time in general with their mental health or their life or or somebody just died and seeing that out there is just kind of it's like when you get broken up with and you see people in relationships it's just like it's kind of just like dirt thrown into your face <laughs> um but on that sort of level and and then just seeing these people like you know riding i mean i ride these bikes but like riding the bird bikes or buying or like sitting outside of lunigs like ordering a 200 dollar meal and then you're walking by to your nine to five job and you're just like, man, like these, these goddamn tourists have it all and I have nothing. And I think a lot of people feel that. And I really have a lot of compassion for both, like everybody here. I feel for people's struggles. And when you're in that world too, and this is just like, I know this from my own experience and from my single mom working three jobs raising me. When you're in that world, you don't have time to research that stuff. You don't have time to think of those nuances. Like the first thing that tells you what the problem is, that's convenient and good enough for you because you're you're wondering like, am I gonna make rent this month? Am I gonna pay be, pay off the car? Like, am I gonna be able to like pay for child like childcare for my kid, daycare, all that stuff? You don't care about that stuff. So yeah, you see these tourists out there having a good time. You're struggling. Yeah, screw them. Right. And, and I also think, too, there's a certain measure of you don't get necessarily direct economic impact from those folks visiting, even though there's arguably a significant indirect economic impact for yes. you, for pretty much everybody in Vermont yes. from the tourism industry. And so it makes it such a hard thing to balance when you're not like direct, like, like if you own a restaurant, you're going to be a lot less hostile to you know, folks visiting from of out course. of state versus if you are working, you know, as an electrician. And like, you're like, oh, look at these out-of-staters all clogging up the road so I can't get past here because it's foliage yeah. season. But I'll say this on the flip side. If you're someone like me that lives in Burlington and like to just go to the waterfront and just chill, you wouldn't have that waterfront unless we had the tourist industry. 
you know yeah you wouldn't have these nice areas that you could go to that are a little bit more you know less rural and more like urban themed uh without that industry you want to have these niceties you'd have to travel to to in order to get those so i wanted to make this conversation more than just us yakking okay so before i drove here i actually went on reddit in the vermont subreddit and basically posed the following question let me just see if i can find it here oh so we're 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 about to have a bad time we're we're about to go to reddit which is i know (laughs) while i'm looking explain to everybody the vermont subreddit you know how they call it the front page of the internet? They should call it the worst place on the internet. That should be the Reddit slogan. Um, and especially the Vermont and Burlington subreddits. I used to be a very active member on there. And it was nice because it was just like, we're still talking about like problems and things of that nature. But it was more of just like nice and understanding like what the kind of conversations that you'd have at like the corner store or in real life here. But since covid since crime uptick since the house houseless population and the housing crisis it has just been inundated with a lot of people from the center or the right that are just super negative like kind of bring this incel energy this energy where like you can tell that it's people that don't really live in burlington or or like that live kind of like on the outskirts that only probably come here maybe five times a year or once a month. And, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of ignorant, um, people just saying what comes to their mind. And I, while I understand it where it's just like people are having a hard time and like, this is a, this is a channel to vent and frustrate. It is so toxic where I, I just don't even post. I lurk every once in a while, but the toxicity on it is just insane. <laughs> it's basically front porch forums now, if you're familiar with that. Front oh, front porch forum is such an amazing thing that I don't think anybody else will understand other than people in Vermont. But it's it's basically like next door, but for Vermont, right? Yeah, next like, door. I didn't know what the like the global one was, but yeah, yeah. It, where it's like talking about various things in your neighborhood, putting you know crap up for sale, advertising a tag sale, and then complaining about your neighbors is like the standard. I think awesome in con in concept. <laughs> terrible when you give it to the general public well and the weird thing about front porch forum is it like it only shows up as like an email digest yeah like it's very hard to scroll and sort topics it's only organized by each do- like daily email it's, it's a very 2006-esque website it needs a very big update extreme onion 6731 most of us don't hate outsiders at all the problem is not with flatlanders but rather with very specific types of people who come here People who move here because they love Vermont and then try to turn small town that they move to a version of wherever they move from, wealthy out-of-staters buying up properties and driving up costs, which makes Vermont unaffordable for locals, and people in those above groups who act like they're doing Vermont a giant favor by being here. I don't know. That's that. That's actually a pretty reasonable response to my question, I feel like. He's somewhere in between me and the normal reaction. <laughs> He's got half of it right. He's almost there. <laughs> so so what's the other half for those who, who aren't getting tie, tick and tie that? So like he has a point with like out of staters and stuff of that nature. But then he just like the way that I read that is he's lumping everybody in with that mentality to change a small town. And like I was saying before, it's like 
yeah, there's certain things that people want to change, but you're going to find that in the kids that you raise there. You're going to find it in the people that live there, like your neighbor who's lived there for four generations. Um, you're going to just find that stuff. And a lot of people just see it happening. And this is just what happens with time. This is just time in history. They're, they just think like, oh, it's it's they see what the problematic millionaires do. And then they just like to attribute all change to being just these out-of-staters. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of the misguided part there. I, I think that there's a lot to that because so much of the complaint I feel like I see in a lot of places is it's not like it was the place where I grew up. Yeah. But I feel like if you like if I went back to my hometown that I grew up in in central Connecticut and went there now, it's not like the place that I grew yeah, up. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> go back to the place where you grew up. It's not the same unless it's probably Peachum. <laughs> Well, but even, I mean, so Peachum's changed, I think, in the last probably 30 years, probably less so than a lot of sure. other places. You're probably at still, like 1980 now there, right? No. <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's one of those funny things. We, I mean, we just got good broadband reliable internet in the last three years, so, so you, you do have that. <laughs> Dude, I was in Essex today, and I went to like Essex Town, like in the middle of nowhere, and it was kind of magical because I was kind of seeing like the promise of the American dream in the 1980s just kind of like die and be 2020 but it was there was something kind of magical about the like half empty strip malls because all of it were just these really small businesses catering to the big industry out there where all the jobs were and i don't know it was like i kind of i found something very endearing about it but then you drive like five minutes and you're in five corners where like it's huge tall buildings and it's all gentrified but yeah well yeah. And, and i think that that's that's kind of that marker of like well what is just Things change and evolve and keep moving where society is different, technology is different, all of these things are different. And is it is it the out of state are actually changing it, or is it the dynamics of the overall culture and society? I think what it is is this has always happened. And as a kid, we're always we tell ourselves, right? Oh, I'm always gonna be open minded. I'm always gonna like move and progress with stuff. And I think what you're seeing here is people going through that motion and just like starting to understand why everybody who is old says that now because change will always happen i think it's happening f at a faster rate with humans than it ever has and there's some very interesting books on that um but uh it's happening at a faster rate than i think people can like keep up with and process and I think that sort of causes a lot of frustration, anger, and confusion. Um, but yeah, there's that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because I actually just unearthed a podcast from 300 years ago with a couple of Abenaki gentlemen who were having a very similar conversation. Let's roll the tape. <laughs> that's i think part of the, the challenge too right where you know kind of even the native vermonter argument like how native are you <laughs> yeah i'm sure like there might be somebody who's like abenaki that's watching this and just rolling their eyes at both of us oftentimes in that you know vermonter flatlander woodchuck argument that that gets kind of lost in some of that nuance oh, or yeah. ignored if you will yeah, well, I think history has good, done a good job to kind of like play that down. Um, and and then you don't really hear about it when you're out of school. So like it just kind of becomes lost, right? <laughs>
and the, there, there's not like a huge population of those people left. So, I mean, as a Vermonter, all you see is white people. And so that is, that is the culture here. No immigrants, no minorities, an agrarian community where everyone lives in harmony. Yeah, I know that place. That sounds like Vermont. <laughs> so here's a story from Reddit. I walked into the general store in my town of 800 people to see the owners raging and one in tears. Asked the next day about what happened and was informed that skiers had gotten mad that they didn't have a public bathroom and had peed in the electrical closet all over the switchboards and stuff. Jesus. Yeah. See, that is a good reason to, to not like folks out there. And I think that bad behavior thing could definitely be a cause of, of some of the dislike <laughs> and a lot of hatred for mass holes as well, as I'm seeing in the comments here. Yeah. I mean, yo, okay. So like, that's not every tourist, but you know, that's, those are like the bad eggs that ruin it for the majority of people. So it's like those, those few and far between give a bad rap for the entire thing. And it's like, how many times have you seen that with like everything? <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> well, I mean, somebody else here is even saying, yeah, the same reason why Hawaiians hate mainlanders, tourists come and they treat it like a playground. I think, and that, and in fairness, right, that's not everybody, but there is enough of that behavior that I think folks see on the regular yeah. that it creates a stereotype and perception that carries on in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I get the anger that that guy has. I have that anger too. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of it just comes down to maybe the golden rule of, you know, treat the place like you'd want your own home treated. Yeah. And yeah, it becomes a lot less of a problem. My, listen, my mom made me very very respectful of being a guest places and so like you know if i stay at a house i'm folding that blanket you know what i'm saying <laughs> if i go to a new city like i'm not littering on the ground i'm finding the recycling and i'm not like yeah i'm not trashing stuff like i will rarely i have rarely ever done that i don't know and i think i think maybe it just comes down to people being raised correctly and i just think yeah some people are just not raised correctly and I think because a lot of us are working class and hardworking, like we have been raised with these ideals and morales and just like keeping the state beautiful and just like really appreciating that. So I, yeah, I get why that guy gets mad at these privileged folks coming in and that's crazy. Like peeing on the electrical thing. That's yeah. That's those, a horrible human being activity right there. Don't deserve that. And like, if you're just looking for a bathroom and it's in a small town, like, and you're peeing on an electrical how hard is it to go find some woods so i guess for anybody listening who does not live in vermont but might want to come to vermont one day whether to visit or live sort of the rules of thumb what what would you offer them be respectful like there are people this like it's a tourist place and there's beautiful stuff and there's great things to do and there's awesome events but at the end of the day when you leave there are people like you and me who live here and live here for a reason and have grown up here and don't trash it like you came to this state for a reason it's beautiful and by you doing that you're just going to turn it into the hellhole where you probably live or come from you know and so keep it beautiful like keep it green um just be respectful like just be understanding too and this this is advice that you should just have for your daily lives and then i guess when it comes to the bigger issues yeah you know the the cost of living and what's happening there yeah. the cultural shifts that are happening you know it maybe it is a little bit of scapegoating maybe it isn't the outsider as much as it is the world that we're living in today it's not what i'd say to tourists is uh don't feel guilty about patron patronizing any of the businesses here 
in fact, do it. And if you can, do it to the ones that look like they're locally owned. Um, because those are people that live here. And th those are the people that should be making the money. Let's be from Vermont. And let's have an emerging maple syrup conglomerate. What land is this Vermont? So are you originally from Vermont or, uh, or what? You should go to Vermont. Why don't I go to Vermont? I think we should adopt a child together in Vermont. Great state of Vermont could use more officers like your men. The great state of Vermont will not apologize for its cheese. We're in Vermont now. We'll have none of these newfangled daylight saving schemes, good sir. While it was great to get Johnny's perspective on Vermonters and outsiders, it did have a decidedly Burlington and Chittenden County slant. And so I decided to reach out to another one of my friends who also is a native Vermonter. My buddy Alfred, he lives on down the road. He's a wizard with machines, a genius in blue jeans. Let's stop and say hello. So Alfred, you're a native Vermonter, correct? I am a native Vermonter, yep. How many generations does that go back? All the way. Um, I think I'm a ninth generation Vermonter. So now as a native Vermonter, what do you make of outsiders? Well, I mean, that's a big, that's a big question. Obviously, you can't lump all outsiders you know, into one group. So it's just too big of a broad label to like just put out there sweepingly that, oh, native Vermonters just don't like Vermonters or Vermonters don't like outsiders. So I grew up here in Peachum. You know, I watched my grandmother interact with the community, you know, and she sang in the choir and she was organizing bazaars and, you know, was always working in the kitchen at town meeting and, and you know, stuff like that. Her sister, um, you know, she was a librarian and, uh, you know, I've watched, I've watched my my family actively participate and contribute to the community, you know, and, and I, you know, as I'm like 39 years old right now, I try to do the same in whatever capacity I'm, I'm able to do. And, um, I think that active participation in the community is what makes rural Vermont special. Now, what I don't, I guess, you know, if you're, if you're looking for what I don't like about outsiders is I feel like that element is lost and outsiders tend to conflate pastoral landscape and the, uh, you know, the architecture, the beautiful, you know, the beautiful homes, rolling hills, big barns, you know, they, they interpret that as Vermont living. Whereas it's the community for me that makes, makes this place, makes this place special. Um, so when folks come in and they're like actively seeking change without participating in that community, that to use the bigger foul than trying to make change in general. Yeah. I mean, they're just, just taking up space and taking, you know, taking, taking, taking and not, not giving in return. I think about daily problems that people encounter in like in an agrarian community such as Peachum. I think historically the tendency has been to help out your problem is my problem your tractor getting stuck in the mud 
<laughs> you were there to help me pull me out. I was there to help you pull you out, you know, and it was the opportunity to be able, you know, to be, be there to, to pull you out was important to me because, you know, my tractor is going to get stuck at some point. And I'm going to need somebody to, to pull me out. And like that, like those types of favors, I, I cringe, you know, to think about those becoming transactional because it's not, it's not about the opportunity to make, you know, make a buck. It's about the opportunity to, to help, you know, and that's, um, and I, I, you know, I think that's something I observed taking place in my community growing up and never really realized kind of how important it was, but I, I believe that type of behavior, it can be attributed, you know, to the agricultural nature, you know, like haze on the ground, you got to get it in. It kind of kind of becomes a community problem all hands on deck you know to help you know whatever this guy get his hay in before before it rains you know i think about being a, a kid young adult messing up <laughs> again like you know getting vehicles stuck would be be a good example <laughs> getting vehicles stuck does happen a lot <laughs> yeah. in vermont i mean that is true yeah <laughs> you know i know i've been in, in a lot of situations you know, I'm just misbehaving and, and I've had, you know, older men come in and help me out and be like, dude, you know, you shouldn't have done this, but I'm going to help you out, you know, get you away from the trouble because, you know, these guys have been, you know, have been young men themselves, you know, they've been full of it and, and, uh, gone out and, you know, made, made the same exact mistakes. And, and so like, um, you know, just like, I, I guess it's like, and this may not be attributable to, to Vermont. I'm sure it isn't, but I, you know, I appreciate this, like, like understanding this holistic acceptance of somebody, you know, and, and their entire, like, like human nature. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess like really to, to, to summarize, like in this town, I grew up observing a willingness to help people, a willingness to contribute to the community functions you know, that, that bring the town together. And, you know, one thing that I fear about outsiders coming in is, is they're not necessarily instilled with the same desire to help and to participate. And they're not in it with us. Um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a big, big thing for me, taking up space. And, uh, you know, recently it's become much more serious problem of uh you know uh, the housing crisis for you know low and middle income vermonters and uh you know the housing inventory is, is is very limited right now people coming without estate money being able to make cash offers buy up property and under you underutilize the property is a big thing, incredibly frustrating thing for me to see. You know? I, I mean, I've seen that too, because like, I think when we bought this place, right, where we're kind of coming from out of state and it was like, uh Oh, what are they going to do with it? Is it just gonna become a vacation home? I think there was like a lot of people that seemed very relieved when we like actually moved here and we're mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's going to be actually a place where people live versus like the second home phenomena. I agree is like just absolutely killing this area where you have like ghost houses or just Airbnb houses that are just like, there's no community that comes from that. Right. Right. You know, I, I was doing a job for a woman up in town and, uh, you know, she bought a house that, 
my best friend grew up in and I spent, you know, the better part, the golden years of my childhood riding my bike over there and, you know, spending two, three days at a stretch, you know, like my, like fundamental part of my childhood was spent in that house. You know, this couple bought it for quite a bit more money than anybody around here would have been able to. And I was, you know, I was afraid that was going to, you know, go, go the way of the second home. And I was rebuilding some steps for her and, you know, we're walking around and, and I told her, you know, I, she proved to be an active participant in the community. And, you know, so I had the opportunity to tell her, express my gratitude, you know, for her participation um, because could have gone, could have gone either way, you know, could have just been another fundamentally empty house on Main Street in town and, you know, then that would have been... 60% of the homes are just props. And again, you know, going back to, uh, you know, this interpretation of, of Vermont being the pastoral landscape and the beautiful architecture, you know, I'm not interested in becoming a prop for somebody else's vision of what New England living is. I'm not going to be a figurine in a snow globe. I'm going to live my life, you know, within... Yeah, I'm going to live my life. And, you know, my life involves maybe having to mow the lawn at 7.30 at night. Like, uh, making noise, I guess, generally not obnoxiously, but, you know, or, you know, other blue-collar workers, loggers, you know, if they're a mechanized operation, they have to work a lot in order to make, make ends meet, you know. And if that involves listening, you know, listening to a skitter pulling trees at 5.30 in the morning, you know, that's what... That's what he needs to do to make ends meet. And, uh, you know, one big thing I fear is a lack of recognition that your neighbors are going to make noise. You know, the neighbor's cows are going to make smells. And, uh, but that's just what, you know, the act of, you know, that's what people need to do to make ends meet. And, uh, yeah, I'm really wary of of, of, of ten, outsiders tendency to try to get in the way of that complaint you know try to implement noise ordinances and such in my mind that's you know outside influence trying to trying to turn this in to a snow globe which it absolutely is not you know it's a place where people live and work and kids kids run and scream and laugh god they laugh <laughs> <laughs> well but I, I think it's an interesting point because i think why so many people resent when tourists come to their home, regardless whether it's here or anywhere else, where it's like, yeah, am I just like a background extra in your sort of main character fantasy here? Or no, am I like somebody who actually lives and works here and this is my home that you're getting to just kind of drop into, enjoy for a week and then be gone? Yeah. I think the other thing too that's interesting that you bring up as you talk about the community piece, like I've seen that as a huge difference of like say living here versus in like New York City or Washington DC where like you get these opportunities to participate and be a part of the community and like join this committee or help plan this event or do these things. And when you take those opportunities on, you do become a part of the community really quickly. But if you don't and you say, oh, I don't want to get involved or that's not something for me, I think that that's where, too, you sort of become kind of, to your point, sort of like a non-contributing outsider who's now an insider. Yeah. I think the appeal of this region is, is that community and it takes work. And I, I spend most of my time in Vermont, you know, living in this little bubble, this little vacuum. But every once in a while I venture out and I look, you know, I look at the rest 
of the United States. And I really realize how special this place, this place is because it's, I mean, I mean, it's very unique. I spent some time working in Pennsylvania a few years ago. It's like the outskirts of every town looks like the outskirts of every other town. You know, like if I'm traveling, I'm traveling down the highway, I know I can get off the exit with the most tall signs, you know, and find a Home Depot, find a Walmart, you know, find a Starbucks. Like I can find all the stuff. It's so like homogenous and like unappealing and like just, um, we don't necessarily have that here. I mean, you know, certain parts, certain parts of the state, Chittenden County maybe, but, um, yeah, I really, I really value like the uniqueness of, uh, you know, I guess Vermont at large. Well, meow there, folks. This is Molly Murder Mittens, 2022 Barn Cat of the Year. I've just paused my usual schedule of napping and mouse chasing to talk to you about a terrific book. The book's called Toby Dog of Goldshaw Farm, and it's penned by my two-legged farm companion, who you might know is a published author, you know? Now, I've got to admit, it's a little biased in favor of dogs, which normally would be a cardinal sin in my book, no pun intended. But it's such a tail-wagging hay bale of a story that even a discerning cat like me couldn't resist. And the plot twist ending is a bit hair-raising. Let me tell you, the hand-drawn illustrations in both the print and digital versions are as pretty as a patch of catnip in the morning sun. If you're more of an audiobook kind of critter, let me tell you, listening to this book is like being in a movie. The characters practically jump out of the speakers and come to life. So, don't waste any more time, humans. Pick up a copy of Toby Dog of Goldshaw Farm today and enjoy it as much as I enjoy a nice belly rub. Now back to the show. Rush delivery available. Call and order right now. Go back to where you came from, Flatlander. So to return to the question that we started this podcast episode with, why does Vermont hate outsiders? I'm not even 100% sure that that question is based on a true premise. Based on my own personal experience, as well as the experiences of other folks that I've talked to, if you come to Vermont, don't be a jerk. And if you do that, you're going to be totally cool. If you're respectful and you try to be a good neighbor and a good visitor you're gonna, generally speaking, not have any issues whatsoever. But I also think in examining this question, there is a certain element of Vermont not necessarily being the most hospitable place to new people and new ideals. And I do think part of that is based in this concept of people really enjoying what we have here and wanting to try to do their best to protect it. And I do think that that comes from a very good place. But that said, I also think there's a little bit of a dark side to that instinct because it doesn't make this place very welcome to new folks and to new ideas and evolution and change. And sometimes things like that are very, very necessary. And so while the premise of don't be a jerk definitely applies to folks coming to Vermont, whether they're moving here or just serving as visitors, I do believe that that same idea speaks true for folks who live here as well. Don't be a jerk to newcomers or outsiders just because they're different than you. And also remember when it comes down to any of us from a 10th generation Vermonter all the way to some schlub like me who's only been here for about five or six years, none of us are truly native and we all are technically outsiders. So just be sure to keep that in mind. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, Kels, come on, Kels. Fresh grass, fresh grass, come on. Come it's on. got a soul, hey, this hero farm falls asleep. 
deep inside my arms We walk the fields under the stars But love is here, Gold Star Farms you have an opinion on Outsiders? I know you're Vermonter, born and bred. How about you, Audrey? Nothing? Anything? Anything? Nothing? Opinions? <laughs>